Welcome to Bits of Gold, episode 136. Today's episode is all about how to live fully alive in 2023. Welcome back to another episode of the Bits of Gold podcast. If you are new to Bits of Gold, first off, welcome. I'm so glad you're here. Second, don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Now let's get to it. It's 2023. Are you ready to live fully alive? I'm not talking about heart beating alive. I'm talking about waking up truly excited about the day you are about to live. If you are not happy or you want to make change, what are you waiting for? There won't ever be a perfect time or a perfect opportunity. So the time is now. It's the start of the year and it's time to decide what it is you truly want. To get intentional about the life you want to live and start living it. Today my guest is Kate Manser and she's back for the second time on the Bits of Gold podcast. In today's episode, we talk about how to live fully alive in 2023 and how to make this year the best year yet. And now let's welcome back Kate to the show. Kate, welcome back to the show. Hey, thank you for having me. Happy today. Yeah, I'm really excited to have you back on. I think this is perfect timing. I know just before we hit record here, we're talking about 2023 and how to make it the best year possible. And I know it, it's just time. It's just like any other day, but I like the last 10 days of the year as a perfect time to start to reflect on the year as you close out the year and what you want to make happen in, in a new year and excited to share how to live alive as we head into the new year. Beautiful. Yeah. Well, what is living alive to you? Living alive to me is living my truth, living presently, doing the things that I want to do, waking up and being hyper intentional. So when I wake up in the morning, I'm living the day that I want to live truly. It's actually funny because I just got back from a trip with some friends and one of my good buddies, he's like crushing it in so many areas of his life, but he's starting to say a lot of these things that he's doing, he just doesn't really want to be doing anymore. He's like, I don't really know what I do want to do, but I just know that the things I'm doing might not be the things I really want to be doing. He said, well, how do I figure out what I don't want to do and what I do want to do? And I said, I think personally that that starts with getting hyper intentional and just starting to ask yourself introspective questions around how do I want to spend my time? Mm -hmm. But I'll turn it back to you. What is living fully alive? Well, I just want to comment really quick on that story, which is there's a lot in, I think, that sense of feeling out of place or feeling stuck or feeling like something needs to change. I mean, that's when I was at Google, that was that same feeling that your friend has. That's what I had. I felt that I was just on the outside. Everything's great. I have this amazing six figure job with all these perks. You know, I'm living this dream life, but something just still wasn't right. And that was what contributed to my awakening to me living like you are alive is of course like did you wake up this morning <laughs> are you physically alive are you breathing is your heart beating right like that's a certain part of it and I've been asking and doing some art projects on the question are you alive and when you ask that question that's the first thing that comes to mind like well yeah I'm alive I'm breathing right but if we look deeper the second thing that people think of when they answer that question are you alive they're like yeah I'm alive I woke up this morning but then they're like wait am I alive <laughs> am I feeling my life? Am I experiencing it? Am I, am I experiencing this moment? So of course we have our biological feeling alive and being alive, but we're talking more about this metaphorical, about this experiential, about this intentional sensation of feeling alive. And one piece of advice that I might give your friend in figuring out what's next for him is 
following that sense of aliveness and following that bliss in addition to that awesome advice that you gave which is being intentional because i think if we do things because we're supposed to we end up a lot in that place where we're wondering why we're there whereas when we're following our bliss at the end we're like well i did something really cool even if it blew up in my face <laughs> mm. i felt alive and i enjoyed it and it was it was exhilarating and on to the next yeah absolutely it's a weird thing when things are going right by societal norms. You know, when you have the dream job on paper or you have the business that's crushing it, but introspectively, you know, something doesn't feel right and you feel that. It's interesting when you start to experience that and you start to think about the possibilities of what could be next or even just start to think about the friction between the things you really want or the things you think you really want and the things you have right now and trying to navigate and wrestle all of that. It can be such a, a messy process. And I experienced that firsthand for so long of the last year, year and a half. The once was dream of mine that I was living on a daily basis. And then the new dream of mine that kept whispering in my head, hey, it's time to make change. But it's so easy to say, no, you know, maybe I'll do that next year or the year after or all the thoughts that come into your head, you know, is this really the thing that I want or is it just more an idea, an idea of change? It can be really hard to actually think through all that. Yeah, and I would invite us all to think about how we feel in our gut when we ask ourselves to consider, and it's not a zero-sum game, it's not either or, but as a thought exercise, consider how you feel in your gut when you imagine yourself or imagine your life having all of your external societal <laughs> markers of success in place, right? Like you've won the awards, you've made the money, you have a relationship that maybe looks good on paper, but you feel profoundly empty and unfulfilled inside. So you can imagine how you might feel and we can think of tons of celebrities we just learned of the suicide of twitch the dj from the ellen show someone who on the outside had all the markers of success but who clearly felt really empty and unfulfilled inside and now i'd invite you to consider in that thought experiment how would you feel if you didn't have any of the markers of success like maybe you have enough money to survive but you're not balling <laughs> you have enough to feed you and you know do the main things that you need to survive but you're not rolling in the dough. Maybe you have a job, but it's not one that like garners a ton of respect in society. Maybe you're an artist, for example, or a writer or some of those very, very important professions, but ones who are not don't have the same societal adoration as a corporate executive or an entrepreneur or something along those lines. So essentially, you don't have the external markers of success, but you're super duper fulfilled. And whatever you are doing, you're stoked to get up and do every day. And you feel a sense of fulfillment you feel like you're doing good in the world, it puts you in a good mood. So again, this isn't a zero sum game. But if you were to consider those two situations, those two potential ways that your life could go, choose authentically for you, whoever is listening right now, like which one of those in your heart of hearts and your gut feels like the better, more fulfilled path in the grand scheme of your life. Do you believe that if you were to go the route that, let's just say by societal norms, is the riskier route or the one with more uncertainty? Let's just use the example of the person who really wants to pursue art or a craft. You know, obviously it's might not be as lucrative as at least in the short term and as well as it relates to being like the certainty around it as let's say corporate law, right? You're a corporate lawyer, you want to leave to pursue art. People would look at you like you're absolutely crazy for so many reasons. Do you believe that if the person were to pursue that thing, that calling of theirs like it will all work out in the end you know because i think a lot of people think that it won't work out in any degree or any facet and leaving behind this thing that i have that's so certain is just tremendously risky scary and crazy 
I mean, I can't say whether it will work out in the end because it's 100% dependent on that individual's values. If your values are fulfillment and your values are living a life in which you have ample time and courage to pursue passions, then yes, it will work out. If your value is truly in becoming rich and truly in getting the adoration through the external markers of societal success, then it might not work out. So what you said at the beginning of this is super important, which is we have to get clear on what our values are. And that's really hard to do in a society that's trying to shove certain values down our throat. Politics completely aside, you know, we live in a capitalistic society where there are certain markers of what people would consider success to be. But if you're able to, and <laughs> you know, we always have to use the matrix analogy, which I haven't actually seen the movie. Have you seen the matrix? Yeah, I, I love the first three. The fourth one okay, I like, couldn't even get through. <laughs> <laughs> so I actually haven't seen the matrix, but I'm going to use the analogy because it's the, it's the most widely known, but it's, you know, if you are to just eschew what society thinks is successful and really look internally in the zoom out of your life from the time you're born until the time you die, what do you want to accomplish that you think is going to bring you the most fulfillment and joy? Once you get clear on those values, if you want to live a good life, that's your roadmap, that's your plan. And it's a lot about honesty and it's a lot about trying to unsubscribe to the values that our parents potentially programmed us for and society programs us for and really trying to look within and really trying to, as you're doing that, ask yourself, am I willing to risk it all for this? Am I willing to risk periods of instability in my life? Am I willing to risk potentially having periods where I don't have a lot of money? Am I willing to risk, you know, whatever creature comfort comes along with being in the matrix, having the job and the, the reliable paycheck? Once you unplug from that and live truly in accordance with your values, whatever those are, you do have to have that element of being so sure about them that you're willing to sacrifice. Yeah, I think a lot of it gets back to, like you said, knowing your values and just becoming hyper intentional around how you want to spend your time, where you want to spend your time and intentional around your value system. I think also for people who will be listening to this, I think sometimes if you've never really sat down and defined what those values are in your own life, sometimes it's helpful to do that with a friend, a partner or a coach, because it's hard to think about those things holistically as it relates to your, your entire life if you've never done it before. Yeah, and I think that one of the aspects or one of the thought mentalities or mindsets that helped me to really get clear on that is this idea of we are mortal. Life is finite. We don't know how long we have. We are going to die. And again, I love this. To me, zooming out on my life is another one of those tactics that just helps me get so much clarity because when we're like overwhelmed, the myopia of our daily existence and pressures, it's really hard to figure out what our true values are. But when we zoom out and look at life from the perspective of, again, I'm born and at some point I will die. I don't know how long my, <laughs> my game of life will be and realizing that it is a life and death situation and that we do have that finite amount of time. For me, it went from, oh my gosh, I might die tomorrow. That gives me the urgency to figure out what my goals are, what my values are. And then it gives me the inspiration to say, well, if I'm alive right now, I'm alive today, I woke up, how do I want to live? 
live both for today and if I don't happen to die tomorrow for the next 5, 10, 20, 30, 50 years. Certainly super powerful. Just as you're you're sitting here sharing some of this, I was just away in Panama on a surfing trip with my with two of my closest friends and I've never surfed before. One of the, the realizations I had while I'm sitting there in the ocean, we're on a really, really small beach town. The people who live there, their life is just so incredibly simple. What's interesting about this beach versus other beaches that I've been to is it's really far. Like you take the flight to Panama City and you drive six plus hours to get to this really small beach. It's probably no more than like a mile and a half. And if you live there, you're a part of like you live there because surfing is your life. Yeah. <laughs> you live to surf, right? A lot of people work at these little hostels. There's like five restaurants in the whole in the whole strip. And everything you do, like you wake up, you surf, you go maybe work in the restaurant, the hostel, and you go back and surf. And as I'm sitting there watching that, I couldn't help but recognize like the stark contrast between that and people in Manhattan, where here, like people, they wake up to work. Like they wake up, they get on that hamster wheel and they're chasing the next paycheck, the next opportunity, the next job, the bigger apartment they'll move into, this idea of more. And I kept thinking about how people here are just in this relentless pursuit of more. And obviously not everyone across the board. And I know that's somewhat of a mass generalization, but that really is like New York City is the city that never sleeps. People are always in this pursuit of more and more and more. And as I'm sitting there watching these people who, who are living there, the energy around them, they were so happy, stress-free. Didn't seem like anyone is like, I'm going to make enough money this month to put food on the table. Like they just seemed so so happy with the here and now. It's something that I'm thinking about as I think about even 2023 and the year ahead. There really is this stark difference, I feel like, with a lot of people who are able to somewhat remove themselves or get clear or get clarity is how important financially is stability or money or where I live and all these things important in my own life. And if it's not so important or how much do I need versus what I want, the difference there to start to make differences in, in our own life around our needs and our wants in our life. Yeah, I hear you going <laughs> the brakes, right? Like you said the hamster wheel, right? This inertia. I think so many of us have had either now or at different points in our life where we're just chasing after the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. And I think that what are we chasing and will it ever end? There's always the next thing. There's always more money. There's always the next job, the next place. There's always and so that's why put those brakes on, stop, go inside and look around and say, is this the highway that I want to be on? Am I learning what I want to learn? Am I living the values that I want to live? Figuring out what mountain it is that you want to climb because we've got a limited time to climb it. And what truly makes you feel alive, right? Does lusting after the next thing, does that actually bring you joy? Or are you earmarking your joy for when you finally get to this mystery place that probably there's going to be another layer of success above that. And so it's it's really a never ending. And so that's what I had to do. I had to get off of that. I reached a point where I had the job at Google. I was married. I had two dogs. I had money. I had all this, this stuff. And I got up to the top of that quote unquote mountain and I realized that I was on the wrong mountain. <laughs> And I know, obviously, in our first recording, we dived into so much of your journey. But do you think there was one single thing that was like the biggest catalyst that pushed you to actually take action? And if so, what do you think that thing was? 
Well, on that same mountain analogy, it was my friend, Dan Friedenberg. He was someone that when I was deep in my death anxiety, I had three friends that died in the span of one year that were all around my same age. It shot me into a really deep death anxiety where I was afraid of dying all the time for a whole year. But during that year through social media, I was watching as my friend and colleague at Google, Dan was training to climb Mount Everest. So we've got like this dichotomy, right? Like me afraid to drive, afraid to walk across the street because I thought I was going to get hit by a car, like not enjoying my life at all, afraid of dying all the time. And then Dan training to climb Mount Everest, one of the most adventurous, most dangerous things that you can do in this life. And he did attempt Everest. It was his third attempt and he died on base camp the day that the Nepal earthquake struck. It triggered an avalanche. He died instantly. And when I found out that he died, it changed everything for me because it made me realize that I could live my life in fear of dying or I can live for the gift of being alive today because Dan was willing to risk everything. When you climb Mount Everest, and I'm not talking getting to base camp, like he was going to summit Everest. When you do something that you have to train for an entire year. It requires a huge financial investment. I mean, there's so much that goes into it. And you know, so many people have died on Everest. You know what the risks are going into it. And so when I saw that he was willing to sacrifice his life for his truth, just like you said at the beginning, what is living alive? It's living your truth. Well, Dan is an example of living your truth. And we don't all have to climb Mount Everest, but we do have to figure out again what our values are, what makes us come alive, what makes us feel alive and pursue that. And so a lot of people ask me, well, I don't know what's the meaning of life. I don't know why we're here. I don't even know what I'm supposed to do while I'm here. And so I always encourage people to, if you don't know what your what your main purpose in life is, to make your main purpose enjoying yourself. As ridiculous as that might sound, if you are enjoying your life, pursuing fun, pursuing passions that light you up, doing things for others, which makes them happy, which in turn makes you happy, you are going to be making the world a profoundly better place. Yeah, I love that. I know in your book, you had a really beautiful sentence that I'm going to paraphrase here because I don't have the, the actual sentence here, but you had something around, you had this recognition that him climbing Mount Everest, like not doing that would be like the surrendering to not living fully alive. Oh, yeah. So for him, it was a die, die situation. Either he could not climb Everest and he would have died in a certain way because it would, he would have always wondered if he could summit Everest. He would have always wondered what it would have been like to try one more time. Or he can attempt to climb Mount Everest and potentially die trying as dying is a known risk of trying to summit the tallest mountain in the world. Yeah, that sentence or that paragraph in the book, like that just struck such a chord with me because I think a lot of people live there entire life and they live it all the way through whenever the end comes and they die and they leave a lot on the table for their dreams of what could have been or the life that could have been and they settle for a life of certainty a life of security a life of what they know what's right in front of them yeah so there is definitely an element of accepting challenge and calculated risk in living our most alive life but the payoff is that you don't have many what ifs you don't have many regrets 
You don't have to wonder at the end of your life, hopefully it's when you're 80, 90, 100 years old, would have been like if you would have done X, Y, or Z, that thing that was sort of speaking in the back of your mind or, and sometimes it's not even doing something. It can be not doing something. What if you're 100 years old or you're 90, 80, 70, and you're like, man, what if I had quit drinking? By quitting drinking, I had more time in my life and more clarity. What if I would have stopped working that job and done something else? right so it, it's not only like doing something it could be not doing something it could what if you get to be 70 and you're like man i really wonder what it would have been like if i would have let go of my anger towards my mom or my grandmother or whoever we might be holding resentments against i wonder what my life would have been like if i wouldn't have carried around that anger and grudge and frustration for 40 50 however many years and so so often we think about living alignment in terms of doing a big thing but it can also be look at your life if you don't stop doing the thing that you know in your heart is bringing you down and holding you back. That makes a lot of sense. I'm curious in your work through speaking, writing, like if you've experienced this, I think one of the biggest problems maybe that hold a lot of people back is that they don't even recognize that they have agency in their life to make change. Like people just get in such a, a routine, that routine becomes the life they live. And at some point in their life, they forget like, and maybe it's because the stakes feel that they become so much higher as maybe you get older, you start a family and you have more commitment, more financial obligation. But I feel a lot of people, they forget that they can actually make change. And make a conscious decision to say, I'm going to do that or I'm not going to do that. I don't know if so many people even recognize that piece. Yes, yes, yes. I'm going <laughs> to give you a little dance for that one because that one was awesome. Because to me, what you just said, having agency over our life, to me, that is the definition of intentionality. And I think that gets lost in the idea of intentionality. Intentionality, we think, oh, I'm going to break these bad habits. I'm going to, you know, make this plan for 2022. But going over and above that is that intentionality is realizing that we are in control of our lives. And when you are intentionally making a plan for 2023, realizing and asking ourselves, am I making this plan because this is the shit that I want to do? Or am I making this plan because this is the thing that I think my parents want me to do? Or that I think I need to do to be really cool and successful in society? That is the question. When you're making your plans for this year and for your life, really ask yourself and get clear on where is this coming from? Is it my need to please? Is it my need to be liked in terms of my success? And that's why for this year, I've been doing so much work, not only for myself, but with my clients and in a lot of my art and my coaching, which is self-worth. Because if we don't believe that we're good people, regardless of what we accomplish, if we don't believe that we're valuable just for the funny crinkle that we have in the corner of our eye when we smile and the sound of our voice and the way that our energy positively impacts a room, if we don't realize that we are valuable, useful people who belong here in this life and make it a better place just by being ourselves, then we are always going to be chasing those external factors of success. Then we're Gonna have a really hard time getting off that hamster wheel. Well, you know what will happen is we are gonna end up, and I'm not saying that we're all gonna end up with suicide, but to use Twitch as an example again, because I believe his life should be used to teach us all a very important lesson, which is if we don't do this work in self-worth now and extracting achievement from our self-worth, what might happen if our dreams do come true and if we do reach the level of success that we're looking for is we're gonna get there and we're gonna look around and realize that we still don't think that ourselves 
ourselves are valuable because we never did this work and we're going to feel empty and maybe we'll turn to drug addiction. Maybe we might start having suicidal thoughts. Maybe we'll just feel really depressed and empty. All of those are bad. I don't want any of those for myself, for you, or for anyone listening. And so that's why self-worth work and getting clear on what our values are, that we have agency over our life and that we're worthwhile and we are worth following our bliss. That's what's going to make you a happier, healthier, more alive and truly fulfilled individual. Love that. That's so beautiful. On the pretenses of living more alive, I'd love if we could talk a little bit about the Alive Manifesto and how people can use that as they think through making 2023 the best year yet. Let's take a look at it. So what happened was is how this came to be is that I had this revelation about living like you might die tomorrow, right? Dan died. I realized that life is fragile, that we truly have no idea how long we have to live in this life and that every single day I have to make the choice. Do I want to spend my energy trying to not die, mired in sadness, trying to chase other people's goals? Or do I want to channel my energy towards living my most vibrant life? And that's a choice that I have to make every day, sometimes 50 times a day, <laughs> because it's so easy to get caught up. And so since I had that realization, I wrote the book, You Might Die Tomorrow, all about how thinking about death can actually help you come profoundly alive. Ever since then, my work has centered around, it can help you feel profoundly alive, but like, what is feeling alive? What is living alive? What is that and how do we get there? And so I've studied a lot about transcendent experience, about how to be present and what it looks like to live a good life. We hear that so often. How do I live a good life? A live manifesto is a way to live a good and a life that makes you feel profoundly alive. And so we can kind of go through these if you want. There's eight aspects that I have found that not only help you live alive, but I'll help you when it is time for you to be at the end of your life to feel the most satisfied. So some of these are based off of the top regrets of the dying as well. But let's just jump in. Yeah. And do you recommend like, is this something that you print out and you leave on your wall or you put it on your mirror as a reminder? How do people actually use the manifesto? Yes, absolutely. I think printing it out, putting it at your phone background is super helpful. And really just meditating on each of these points, like thinking about them, journaling a little bit about them so that you can figure out how they apply to you. You know, when I wrote my first book, I had a lot of editors that were like, well, you don't tell people how to live in this book. They wanted me to write a how to. I was like, well, I mean, the main thing I want people to take away from this book is that to live a good life just means to live in alignment with your personal values and your personal bliss and your personal meaning. And so I never want to be over prescriptive. But with the Alive Manifesto, I wanted to give a recipe. So eight guideposts for you to look at and incorporate into your life in your own way that can help you feel light, free, fulfilled, and super duper alive. Okay, let's do it. Cool. So how to live alive. The first thing that is on the list, number one, is every day appreciate that you are not dead. And this goes back directly to the idea of living like you might die tomorrow and incorporating gratitude in your life. So you may have a gratitude journal. I encourage you to include on that journal from time to time the realization that no matter how bad things are in your life, no matter how tough things have gotten, that we got the privilege to wake up this morning. And I know this is something that you subscribe to a lot as we've talked a lot about this mentality in both of our lives. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think there should be at least a deep appreciation when you wake up in the morning that you woke up today and you have this moment and the opportunity to live today. I think oftentimes, even in like, as we think through the the miracle of what it means to really be alive, I think there's so much to be grateful for in waking up and just having, if you have your health and you're able to put your two feet on the ground and get out of bed yourself and be healthy and that day, you've already won the day. Yeah. And sometimes life is really freaking hard. Sometimes life really is overwhelming, frustrating, tragic. Like there's so, but to ground ourselves in, let me just begin with the fact that I'm breathing. Let me begin with the fact that I have this privilege to be alive today. I find it just incredibly grounding and a way to in the chaos <laughs> of life. It's like, let me start there. Okay. I'm alive. Let me put one foot in front of the other, starting from that point and coming into this present moment of the, our breath and our heartbeat that we have right now because we're alive. 100%. So number two is, I'm very passionate about this topic, so I'm going to get extremely excited. <laughs> number two is uncover your true self. Strive to be the most you in everything that you do. And the reason that I'm so passionate about this is because I believe that we're all unique. That's not a groundbreaking statement to make, but I believe that we're all unique to the point of we were put here with these unique characteristics, weird personality traits, idiosyncrasies, gifts, talents, areas for improvement. To me, if I'm looking at what is the meaning of life, I often come back to, well, I was given all of this. Not only am I alive, but I was given these gifts and talents and characteristics. Like I must be here to express them. And what a shame for me to die and come to the end of my life and not have expressed those or even worse to live a personality that's not mine based on what society wants for me or who I think that I'm supposed to be packaging myself as for the palatability of other people. Can you give an example of number two? I should just cross out number two and write, let your freak flag fly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just like, I think that it's one of the top regrets of the dying. People get to the end, end of their life and of the top five regrets of the dying, one of them is, I wish I had had the courage to be myself. And that's just like what happened to me when I realized I got on the top of that mountain of the job and the relationship and the dog and all of these things that I had gathered. And I realized like a bunch of those pieces I gathered and built for myself in my life because I wanted to make my parents happy and I wanted to do what I thought society expected of me. Even down to the way I dress, there's been times in my life where I look down at my clothes and I'm like, I'm wearing this because A, I think maybe it helps me blend in, which my personality is not one that wants to blend in, and B, because it's just what everybody else is wearing. So you can even look at it in, in the way that you dress, the way that you speak, how you engage with the world, how you act at a party. You know, one of the things that really helps me see the value of a person that has the courage to truly be yourself and to truly be different is like, you know, when you're at a cocktail party, and maybe it's like a work cocktail party and everyone is just there and they're like, you know, sipping their cocktails and having conversations about what we do and Bob and we're clinking our glasses. And then somebody enters the room and they're just louder than everybody else. They're weirder than everybody else. They're not dressed the same as everybody else. And suddenly all of these people that were in this very, suddenly like loosen up, right? Like that weird person who entered the room, that one person who just kind of let it all hang out, wasn't afraid to stand out, wasn't afraid to be themselves. 
they upped the weird quotient for every single person at that party. And I have been the person who needed their weird quotient up. And I've also been the person who went into the room and upped the weird quotient for everybody else. And it's beautiful when we realize that you being yourself, vibrantly, courageously, unapologetically yourself, you have the potential to impact and improve everyone around you, their ability to also be themselves. And so if you want to find meaning and purpose in being yourself, that is it. I love that. Cool. So number three is show love so they know it without a shadow of a doubt. Because so many people get to the end of their lives and they realize that they assumed that people knew that they loved them or they wished they had shown their love so that there was absolutely no question left on the table. You don't wanna to get to a point in your life where you are either estranged from someone or you don't wanna to get to be on your deathbed and realize you're not really sure whether the people you love truly know that you love them. That one certainly hits home. Reminds me of, and I don't know if you do this, but every time before I get on a plane, I don't really have a fear of flying, but just in the event that something did, God forbid, happen, you know, I always text my sisters and my aunt, my wife, love you taking off. It's funny that, you know, that that's like the catalyst. You know, I think that there is that moment where a lot of people have a brief, a very, very brief fleeting moment of introspective internal reflection where they say, if something happens to me on this plane, do the people that need to hear that I love them hear it? Do they know it? Hearing that as part of the manifesto, that's something that I think people can certainly, without a doubt, do more of to let those people know how much they do mean in their life because you truly just never know. Yeah, be willing to look ridiculous for love. <laughs> be willing to be inconvenienced for love. And, you know, I just met a guy recently who really inspired me. And the reason that he inspired me because he was retired. He had just retired. He had a super successful career as an entrepreneur of multiple different companies. And he had that realization. He was like, okay, I'm retired. What am I going to do now? And he looked around in his life. He was like, I could do charity work. I could do, he decided that before he, he figured out what his next venture was going to be, that he was going to dedicate as long as it took to spend all of his energy on making sure the people that he loved them know without a shadow of a doubt that he loves them. So he was going to buy unexpected gifts for all of the people that he loves, like unexpected, funny, or really meaningful gifts. He was going to go spend time, go um, visit them at their homes, each of these people. He was going to remember all of their birthdays and send them a really heartfelt card. He was going to send them a song, right? When the mo mood struck, there's tons of different ways. It's not just, I mean, I think what you're doing on the airplane is amazing, right? Like show love so that there's no doubt whatsoever. When you do that, when you get on the plane and you have those people and you send that message, they know that at the end of your life, they're going to be on that list of the most important people. So sending someone a text message, sending a birthday card, it doesn't need to be a huge, grand or expensive gesture, being willing to dedicate your energy, your time, and a little bit of your money to making sure that people know that you love them is something that will pay dividends for your life. Because let's think about the thought exercise of what happens if you don't. What happens if you don't is your relationships are not as authentic. There's potentially distance. There's maybe unsaid words, which weigh, might weigh heavily on us. And then again, if we, the risk is getting to the end of our lives and they're not being time to make sure that that person knows that they love us. Absolutely. 
So big stuff. So that goes right into the next one, which is it's all about releasing that weight that we have on our shoulders. So many of us, myself included, I've I've held on to burdens, anger, I've withheld forgiveness. And so number four is release those burdens, express your emotions, like be vulnerable, apologize when you do wrong so that that guilt doesn't build up and then forgive where appropriate. Because withholding forgiveness, not apologizing and owning up to our mistakes and holding our emotions in, that's where the heaviness in our life comes from. That's where we get that weight on our shoulders. That's a powerful one. I think something that's really interesting in that one, specifically around burdens or forgiving specifically, you know, sometimes something happens and it can really come in the way of a friendship or a relationship that once was is, is so far gone now. It probably could have been prevented or, you know, the thing happened and maybe your relationship will never be the same. It doesn't mean that you can't ultimately forgive and move on and make that space to at least not carry that burden. I think that that one really resonates with me there. You know, that you don't have to wait for someone else to take the initiative and ask for forgiveness or admit a mistake, you can actually take the initiative. And even if the relationship will never be what it once was, at least removing that weight, removing that feeling of the guilty conscious of this relationship that once was to say, I forgive you. And even if you know that the relationship won't evolve or won't become some version of what it previously was, I think that that can be a very freeing, really freeing for yourself. Oh, absolutely. And where to start with this? How do I actually apply this to my life is to make lists. So express emotions. You can write in your journal. I actually, this is a moment that I'm going to plug my workbook. I have a workbook called the Alive Workbook. In it, there's exercises for all of these. You can do this in your journal as well, which is put at the top of your journal, emotions I feel are unexpressed and brain dump. You can write it in your journal at the top of the page, mistakes that I feel I should probably apologize for or mistakes that I'm holding guilt onto. Then you can write a page on that. A third one is resentments that I'm holding onto and write down all the resentments that you're holding on to against other people. And even just the act of writing them down, even if you didn't take that next step of actually forgiving the person or apologizing for your mistakes or saying the things that are unexpressed, even just writing them down is going to remove so much weight from your shoulders. Because when we're in our head with all of these, it gets super heavy, it gets super crazy in there. They're difficult to, they're really intangible. But even writing down, doing three journal entries on each of those, expressing emotions, apologizing for mistakes, mistakes and resentments and forgiveness, that is going to release a huge weight from your shoulders. And then if you do take the next step of apologizing for some of those mistakes, making amends, saying some of the words that you've left unexpressed, which might include, I love yous, I'm sorry's, you know, whatever it may be. And then you don't even need to tell the person that you forgive them. It can just be an internal process of forgiveness and releasing that weight. Your life is going to be radically shifted. And if you are a person that seeks lightness and freedom in your life, that is my number one recommendation of where to start is number four, release burdens, express emotions, apologize for mistakes and forgive. Do those journal exercises. Or like I said, workbook plug, you can get my workbook and- Awesome. Let's move on to number five, stop overthinking and start doing. I feel like each one is building on the last one. <laughs> I mean, what are we What are we gonna say about that? I mean, we can just leave that one. Number five, stop overthinking, start doing. And if we're again thinking about releasing weight from our lives, like that's part of feeling alive is becoming more present, releasing weight that we might carry around, 
when we have things that we're not doing, when we have things that we're overthinking, instead of taking action, we have a weight on us of wondering what could be, wondering what it would be like, fear of taking the first step. Whereas if we would just start doing stuff, having a bias for action and a bias for immediacy in our lives, again, we're re releasing that, that weight and we are really giving a gift to ourselves to have experience. So many of us want experience. We want to travel. We want to do all these things, but we never take the first step. Even taking that first step, even if you then go two steps back, you then have the experience of taking that first step, which then you can use to build and build further and further. Absolutely. Number six. Play, have fun, enjoy your life. I think that we take things, so myself included, I mean, I have to refocus myself from like taking myself super seriously multiple times throughout the day. And again, if we're focusing on releasing heaviness and enjoying our lives, it's not only for our own benefit, but again, don't forget that when you play, when you enjoy your life, when you have fun, you may have the most serious job in the world, right? Like you may be an open heart surgeon, a brain surgeon, you might be a paramedic, tons and tons of serious jobs out there. That doesn't mean that you have to be serious with your colleagues all day long. And by having fun, injecting some positivity in your day, then you will positively impact those around you. And that is a profound way to change the world. I always recommend people who are seeking meaning in their life to look for people at work whose lives you can better. We can't all quit our jobs and become <laughs> open heart surgeons and humanitarian workers and mental health therapists we might have jobs that are part of capitalism and they make us good money and they're not detracting from our soul, but maybe we don't get a lot of meaning out of them. If you want to find meaning in your life, be a positive force for your colleagues and the people that you encounter every single day. And that is a super, super powerful way to inject meaning in your life is to be the energy thermostat rather than the energy thermometer for everyone around you. And you will not only have fun along the way, you will create meaning because you're making people's lives a better place, but you will also not be able to wonder what it was like to not have your life be taken so seriously when you're at the end of it. This one for me hits in a couple different areas. You know, I have two learning lessons where number six, plan and enjoy your life really sits with me. One is, you know, I think a lot of people, they forget the importance of making space. This almost ties back into number seven, which is zoom out and prioritize what matters to you. But I think a lot of people, it's easy to forget about the things that are really important for you, especially when you do take your career or maybe an area of your life very seriously. And that becomes your, whether it be your obsession or the biggest drainer of your time whether it be your work, your family, whatever it is, it's very easy to lose sight of making the space and the time for the things that are really important to you. I remember years back, I told a, a buddy who's like, he was so busy with work and his career and his business. And he's like, I don't have time for anything. I don't have time for the things I enjoy. All I want to do is get out and surf talking a lot about surfing this this podcast. Yeah, but, um, I love it. <laughs> you know, I told him, you know, like you have so much time. You can take an hour, two hours, once a week, twice a week, and nothing materially will change in your life in the negative. You know, like you won't be any less successful because you chose to take two hours or four hours every single week to block time in your life to go do the things that are fun for you, the things that actually bring you joy, that make you happy. Maybe for you, you have to prioritize that thing and make it a non-negotiable, put it in your calendar and say like this time, 
time every single week is my time and no one's taking that for me. And I think there's a lot of value in doing that and applying that in our own life. Well, and also for thinking about risk, right? A lot of us have fears around taking risks. So playing and enjoying your life is absolutely surfing. It's doing the things that make us happy. It's having a positive attitude and that being a way that we positively impact the world. But it's also taking a playful mindset towards our entire life and a lot of our choices. I'm not suggesting that we just look at everything as a joke, but what I am recommending is that we we stop taking some of our decisions so seriously. And if we look at our life as a game, we can increase our tolerance for risk. Because in a game, typically, like in the game of life, for example, and this is a great a great one where it's like you go, you're going on the board, right? And then you take a little detour over here and then you have to go back and then you come over here and then you go down the road. And But there's tons and tons of like, if it's a tree branch, lots of little mini branches along the way. Whereas in our real life, we tend to think like, I'm pushing towards this goal. I'm, I have this plan, right? And we don't give ourselves a lot of opportunity to take these detours. Maybe that doesn't work. We backtrack, we come back. Oh, this looks fun. We go down that path and we come back. And so by looking at our lives as a game in which we have agency, we can change our mind at any time. And that enjoyment is one of our core values that we prioritize and pursue in our lives. That's going to up our ability to take risks and do hard things because it's fun. It's a game. Why not? And it takes some of that fear away. Something that I've definitely sat with and shared with others is I think often it's easy to think that the stakes are quite high, but really, and especially, you know, when you when you bring it back to the possibility of you might die tomorrow, the stakes are really quite low in most of our endeavors, right? It's certainly interesting when you think about these high stake moments in our life where you're super stressed, you feel like you have the, the weight of the world on your shoulders with any decision that you're about to make, especially for those big decisions. But using sometimes your own death or your mortality, you can recognize that not to say that it's meaningless, but just that so much of the things that hold us back that become these burdens, these big decisions, you know, if I go right, but I really should have gone left, what might be where in reality, the, the stakes really are quite low. Which leads us directly into our next one, our second to last one, which is all about perspective. When we're in that moment, when we feel like the stakes are so high, or we're, when we're in that moment, when we feel like our life is so horrible and everything is going wrong, everything is perspective. Everything is perspective. And we can change the way we look at something and the entire game shifts. And for me, the biggest and most important way that I shift my perspective is to zoom out, is to again, look at life as a true life and death situation, knowing that I don't know how long that I have. But when I zoom out and I look at my problems from the bird's eye view, it's not that serious. <laughs> it's not that serious. And when I can look at my perspective and know that usually when I'm involved in the myopia of life, my perspective is usually wrong and really forced. I look at it like a barge. You know, if you're in a speedboat, you're super nimble, like you can turn on a dime, right? You can go left, you can go right, you can flip around and go backwards. But most of us, myself included, I'm like a barge. <laughs> it's like I'm going down this path and it's this huge boat. And when I want to change my mind, it's like, oh, I have to think about it. And you know, a barge like it has to turn like it goes really, really slow. But if I can increase the nimbleness of my mind to be more of the speedboat, right, in that zoom out perspective, then to shift my perspective isn't so intense. 
if we don't ever consider that we might be wrong, if we don't ever consider that there's a totally different way to look at things, then we're going to be the barge and it's going to be hard to change our mind. It's going to be hard to see new perspectives. But if we have that humility, you know, I usually like to say, I don't know shit. Like that's one of my cardinal truths in life is I don't know shit. And that keeps me humble. It keeps me with that um, mindset of humility so that I can be like that speedboat. I want to stay true to my values, but I want to be able to be open to suggestions be open to failing, to be open to changing my mind, to be open to taking risk. And so that's where by conditioning ourselves to zoom out and prioritize what matters to ourselves, we can be willing to look at new perspectives anytime they might arise and shift accordingly. I love that so much. You want to jump into number eight? So number eight is revere the full spectrum of the experience of being alive. And so I'd like to invite us all to take a deep breath. And to in that calmness, whether you're driving or you're sitting in your house, to just kind of look around you. Maybe you have a window near you that you can look out of. In my window, I'm seeing some trees. It's fall slash winter. So I've got trees with lots of different colors of leaves. I've got some grass. I've got people walking and driving by. Life is sort of moving all around. I can think about how I have things in my life that I'd like to change, how I have things in my life that I would like to be better, that areas that I would like to grow and improve. But if I'm grateful that I got the privilege to wake up this morning, which was number one, I can come into number eight, which is to revere the full spectrum of the experience of being alive. What I do when I'm really overwhelmed and I'm really going through a hard time, I'll force myself to go out for a walk and I will put the Foo Fighters song Everlong in my headphones and I will walk down the street feeling all those, I, sometimes I'm crying, like I'm so overwhelmed, like shit is really hard, like life is not going my way. I'll open my arms super wide and I'll put my face up to the sky and the lyrics in that song say, don't ever stop when I say when. And when I think about revering the full spectrum of being alive, if I truly value being alive and if I truly think that life is a gift, all of life is a gift, including the hard moments, including the moments that I'm super defeated, including the moments that I don't know what to do. And so that's why that Foo Fighters song, Everlong, is so powerful to me. Don't stop when I say when, because I know for a fact that I value being alive. And so don't stop even when I feel like I've been hit six, seven, eight times. I'm down for the count. Don't stop when I say when. Don't stop when I say that I've had enough life because I value being alive. And so I therefore have to value the hard moments, the challenge the struggle, as well as the beauty, the synchronicity, the life, the love. So revering the full spectrum of being alive is being able to really be present in the here and now and notice the small moments and details of beauty around us, as well as to appreciate the challenge as well as the beauty in life, because it's all part of the privilege of being alive. Super powerful, super, super, super powerful. Reminds me of um, the idea of being grateful for both the beauty in life and also grateful for the hardship. I think one of the things that's really powerful about this manifesto is in many ways, as you're talking through these eight pieces of the manifesto, it really allows you, the, the listener, the reader of this, to think through the things that are actually important in your life. 
in many ways, you know, the manifesto puts you in the here and now, the present, to really prioritize the things that truly matter to you. And I think if you actually sit here after listening to this and apply these in your life, you can without a doubt live with greater purpose, greater intention, more energy, more happiness, and enjoy the the spectrum of the beauty in life, the hard and the beautiful. Be really intentional as you go about the year ahead. Absolutely. Yeah. Being intentional, feeling alive and appreciating the beauty of it all. Just like Thich Nhat Hanh said, no mud, no lotus. <laughs> and I have to remind myself that when I'm like, ah, uncle, uncle, I've had enough. Like, let me go live. Like, you know, make all my dreams come true right now. I don't want to wait any longer. But to truly put as a cardinal value in your life that being alive and feeling alive is important to you set that and then you can use this manifesto to put it all in order and it's funny as i wrote this manifesto and as i've studied this over the years and, and incorporated this into my own lives and the lives of my clients that word freedom just keeps coming up for me and it, i wasn't really sure what it meant but this idea of freedom in our lives is so important to us but i think we forget to realize that you know we want freedom in our relationships with our partner or our spouse we want the freedom to not be micromanaged in our jobs we want you know freedom from our the chains of our upbringing and our parents but i think we forget to look at gaining freedom from ourselves and from the ways that we hold ourselves back and from the ways that we're undermining our own ability to experience freedom and to experience our life. And so what I promised <laughs> when I now talk to people about this manifesto and the workbook and the work that I'm doing now is, is it's freedom. It's freedom to feel your life. It's freedom to be alive. And it's the freedom to not feel regret when you're at the end of it. Absolutely. I think there's a lot of value in thinking about the things you might one day regret. It might sound obvious and even silly, you know, to think about things you might regret. But I think if you can think about that, you know, you might be able to work backwards and say, okay, I need to do this today, right now or next week, because now is the time I don't want to look back and possibly regret not doing this one day. Mm-hmm. Really appreciate you coming on the show today once again and for all the work that you've done and continue to do to help people live more alive, more true to the life that they truly want to live. Where can people connect with you, get a hold of you, get the book, follow you, listen to you? Where can they connect? <laughs> yeah, get at me. Get at me. <laughs> I love connecting with people and I love connecting with people who this work speaks to. So you can find me um, mostly on Instagram and TikTok. I'm the Alive Kate on both. My website's katemanser.com and my book, You Might Die Tomorrow, and my workbook, The Alive Workbook, are both available on Amazon. One thing I'll leave people with to think about the experiencing everyday transcendence is, you know, I, I'm also a meditation teacher and I have a lot of people that come to me as a meditation teacher and they say, I'm a terrible meditator. I can't do it. And I say, you know what? I think you're actually a really good meditator. What is something in your life that you do on a regular basis? And you can ask yourself this right now. What is something that you do in your life on a regular basis that allows you to forget about time? Time pauses. It allows you to forget about problems for just 
just those few minutes, you feel lost in the present moment and the experience. And people will say, oh, well, you know, I, I actually feel that when I'm vacuuming, or I actually feel that when I'm, when I'm riding my bike on the weekends, or, you know, I actually feel that level of transcendence when I'm going for a walk in the woods behind my house. And so that's when I help people realize that we all have our own ways of feeling alive. And that aspect that you feel, that sense that you feel when you are doing the dishes or vacuuming or out in nature or really engaging in a meaningful conversation with someone that you love, that's that experience of freedom. And that's that experience of feeling alive. And that's that feeling that I want you to have throughout your entire life. And that's why I wrote this manifesto is to be able to appreciate being alive on an average Tuesday when nothing's going right. And maybe it's raining outside, but you know what? We woke up today. There's still beautiful dew drops to look at on the leaves and it's a beautiful day to be alive. That's awesome. Well, thanks so much for coming on the show, Kate. Thank you so much. As always, I always appreciate you so much. All links for this episode can be found in the show notes. I want to hear from you. How are you going to make 2023 the best year yet? How are you going to make this year the year where you start living fully alive? Shoot me a message on Instagram at DanLevGoldberg or at the Bits of Gold Podcast. Finally, if you can please leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts as it really helps with growing the show. That's all for today. Thanks for living with purpose today and every day, and I'll see you next time. I love your podcast, Bits of Gold.